What's up guys, Lisa here. Just want to let you guys know that rating and reviewing this podcast means the absolute world to me. And to encourage it, I'm reading out weekly reviews. This review comes from Ailey B. Walker. About a year ago, my boyfriend introduced me to impact theory stroke relationship theory. I absolutely love hearing about the journey that you and Tom have been on and gained so much inspiration from the both of you. I've just discovered Women of Impact and listened to the first episode and can't wait to listen to the rest. Have you ever had one of those days where you woke up feeling like you can take on the world? You jump out of bed with energy, you get dressed in a sassy get up, and as you catch your reflection in the mirror, you give yourself a little smile. Damn, you look pretty decent. Today, you're confident. Today, you feel like you can take on anything, absolutely crush it. Then, your day happens. That person in line at Starbucks isn't very nice to you. You make a silly mistake at work that you know you could have avoided. You forget someone's birthday and you feel guilty. You get stuck in traffic and every freaking lane you get into is always the slowest one. Someone writes a hurtful message on an Instagram post. And before you know it, you're walking through your front door as your morning counterpart's evil twin. You're grumpy, feeling badly about yourself, and like a skipped record, you're playing over and over and over in your head all the things you did and said wrong. What happened? What changed? You're the exact same person you were this morning, but the thoughts you have about yourself are literally polar opposites. You were yinging and now you're yanging. Your confidence disappeared faster than a Chris Angel magic trick. And now we're back to square one. So what would it take to become confident AF? Well, that's what today's Women of Impact is about to teach us. Speaker and author of the new book, Confident as Fuck, she dives deep into identifying and ditching bad vibes and negative people who are keeping us back from building our self-esteem, as well as addressing shame and limiting beliefs we tell ourselves. So guys, if you're looking to understand yourself and the behavior you need to abandon in order to build your confidence, this episode is for you. Sit up, lean in, take notes, take more notes because today's guest is about to show us how to step out of the shadows kick ass and take names the ever confident l russ welcome to the show girl thank you so much for having me i'm excited to talk about this topic the best place to start is talk to me about what confidence is So, you know, a lot of people misunderstand confidence and they think it's an outward bravado, like uh, you and I can perform and be in front of people and this is performance confidence. That is not necessarily confidence because sometimes the quietest people in the room are confident. So when I talk about confident as F, I mean inside and outside. Let's talk about what it truly is. It's an overall sense of feeling like you're gonna prevail, feeling comfortable with yourself at any given time, alone in a room, walking into anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that confident people don't have moments, but those moments are so fleeting and so quickly and self-talked out that they're not lasting and, you know, seeping away at your soul. All right, so what are the things that you've noticed confident people do have? You know, there's several. So confident people are often the most authentic. They don't give a shit about what other people think of them. That's the ultimate in not caring about what someone's opinions are of you. Um, They are also, uh, they're kind. Confident people are often more successful. Um, They prevail because they, it never hurts to ask. They're not afraid to speak up. If you don't Mm. speak up in life from the bedroom to the boardroom, you're not going to get what you want. So a confident person will admit either shortcomings or moments where they, they need to learn something. They also, it's really interesting. Confident people on so many levels take any kind of challenge or hit 
as a lesson. They don't internalize it and beat themselves up. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So confident people will often get through these challenges. It's, it's a very like primal ancestral thing, back to like the first book I wrote, Paleothyroid Solution, talking about ancestral health. But listen, we need to be valued by a tribe. You can be a confident mm. person and just be a wonderful friend, mm. okay, to mm. people and be loved and valued. My book is not meant to be like, go out and be a badass. You can be a wonderful, confident, stay-at-home wife, but guess what? You might have to stand up to some kid's mother at that PTA meeting. You're gonna need confidence for that. You're gonna need self-esteem for that. You still are need, you need to navigate through life with this or you're not gonna get what you want. And people want to be around confident people. The one thing that I've learned is, first of all, they're most admired, uh, not just because of their authenticity, but confident people often get shit done. When I used to be an employer, I would rather hire a confident individual than someone who actually had the skill set and not the personality. Because confident people are proactive. You know, they take on situations, you know that they're confident in their ability to learn a thing even if they don't know it. But one of the pitfalls, there's pitfalls of confident people, I had it too and a lot of alpha females do, which is the pitfall of feeling like vulnerability or showing any kind of weakness is out of the question, mm -hmm. right? The last thing a confident alpha woman or man wants to feel is that they are weak in any way. But I argue in the book that being open and being okay with vulnerability is actually confident as fuck because it is the utmost in not caring about what other people's opinions of you are, even showing true emotions. We're human beings, right? You know? Mm -hmm. So for many, many years, I didn't want to see anyone to see that I had any kind of weakness whatsoever. But what that does is it removes you from people and prevents you from being accessible because when you're inaccessible, you're detached from other people, relationships are not as close, people feel like you're inaccessible. So they, they want you to do the job, they trust you in an emergency, but we're kind of inaccessible and that doesn't fare well for personal relationships mm. and romantic relationships. How do you then get out of that? Because let's say that's your natural inclination, because there's almost multiple areas here, right? The person that's too confident that then like gets themselves into trouble because they just want to do everything themselves. Yep. Then there's a person that completely lacks confidence and has no clue how to gain it. So there's almost like these two buckets. So let's talk about then the person that is so confident that doesn't want help and then it like you said, gets them into trouble. Um, what are the things that they can do in order to open up to let people help them? You know, it was a tough thing for me and I literally just had to learn to be a little bit more vulnerable with people and that even meant certain friends and conversations expressing how I'm truly feeling versus glossing over it in a theoretical sort of like, you know, professorial way. Mm -hmm. um, and being okay with emotion, and this takes practice, and it could even be just open to strangers in conversation. Mm -hmm. It could be really talking to a good friend and being like, look, there's something I haven't told you, you know, because there might be some secret there. And again, not necessarily a secret, you have to tell everybody, but there might be something you're holding back because you're afraid of judgment or what they might think of you, and those are good moments to test it out in. But it was hard for me to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for me to be vulnerable. Now, you know, I don't care if I choke up on camera or I don't care if I, you know, cry in front of someone, but oh, Oh my gosh, if I had, I, I would be mortified. So, years what ago. was that very first step? So, because there's a difference between knowing it and doing it. Yeah. So, you're in that, you know that this is actually holding you back. You know, you need to be more vulnerable with people in order to build your confidence. How do you actually do that? It can start so many places. It depends on where you are with confidence. If it's about vulnerability in and of itself, then you have an opportunity to talk to close loved ones or a coach or a therapist or someone about something that you feel is holding you back or that you have an issue with. Now, 
in my book, I go through like, there's a series of things you need to do in order to become confident as fuck. And one of those things is like, talk about ditching bad vibes. You gotta ditch downers and the naysayers in your life that are around you and they're everywhere and they're even gonna be loved ones. People are going to project a lack of confidence onto you no matter what. I don't care if they're your loved one or not. And what are you gonna do? Are you gonna internalize that and accept that? I'm all about, no, you're not gonna let them win. You're not gonna give your power away to that person. You, so that's a story you've adopted that was projected on you by your family or by your neighbor or your teacher who told you you were never gonna be anything. And you're internalizing that. Well, guess what? You're letting them win. I'm not about to let anyone do that. We've gotta turn that around. But the way you identify that is, what are the themes that keep happening in my life when it comes to confidence? Where am I choked up? because that could be in romantic relationships like it was with me. It's not in the workplace. I have zero level like of any like insecurity when it comes to, you know, employers or jobs or anything like that. So, it doesn't matter what it is for you, but you got to look back at it. It might just be some parental garbage mm. that needs to be cleaned up and dissected. Now, if you did have if you had horrible parents, you parent yourself, okay? So, I have a section in my book called Your Victim Application Has Been Denied. And part of that is about me meeting a 50-year-old woman who sat there and continued to blame her mother for the lack of success she had in her current life. Her, had her mother just pushed her? Had her mother mm -hmm, just encouraged mm -hmm, her more? Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I said, hold on a second, you're, you're 50. I said, when did you kind of realize this about your mom, that maybe she wasn't the best, you know, at parenting? And she mm -hmm. goes, I don't know, maybe when I was 30. And I go, so you've had 20 fucking years? <laughs> Yeah, 20 years, parent yourself, okay? So if you're at 50 and you're still blaming your parents, you need to get a bunch of self-help mm. books, you need to get it together. If you're 18 and you're just realizing this stuff, hey, good time to start, mm -hmm. raise yourself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to parent yourself. It's not fair, it's not fun. We all wish we had the perfect parents. And so all you have is you, you're it for you. You're mm. it for you. No one cares more about you than you. Um, no one is going to force you to do this. This is, this is why I wrote the book. And while I am very confident, again, I had pitfalls, you know, and they prevented me from being all encompassing, which is what confident as fuck is really about, you know, and I want everyone to get to that point. I wish my confidence upon everybody, mm. you know, you should be able to walk into any room and be like, whatever, man, I'm good with who I am. I don't need to prove myself. No, I don't need to give my resume. I don't care if anyone even talks to me. You know, just that you're comfortable in who you are moving throughout this world and have a general sense of, I'm gonna prevail. Okay, so that's super interesting because um, if you don't have to prove yourself, like I totally hear that. I still struggle with it because I always find myself like either trying to prove it or explain why or given reason. Where is the difference though between not having to prove it and someone saying to you, you can't do it, and you saying, like, defending yourself. Like, where's that fine line? You know, yeah, that's an interesting conundrum. So confident people choose their battles wisely. Confident people who haven't gotten confident as fuck yet will take every battle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Now, uh, the people mm. that are not as confident, they won't take any battles, right? And then they're set their left in regret for a lot of their life going, I wish I would have spoken up. I wish I would have right. said something. Now, here's the thing. We a lot of spiritual books talk about the ego, get rid of the ego, the ego's bad. Okay, so if you didn't have an ego, you'd be in an insane asylum. We all need an ego. We need that contrast as well. Um, it, it allows us to differentiate between the conscious self and so many other things. While it is a cause of a lot of problems, I also feel like it is meant to be indulged on occasion. But here's the thing. I don't think it's defending oneself if, let's say, someone's offering you a job and they don't think you have the skills. That's just selling yourself. That's the confidence. Is it defending or is it selling yourself? Mm. If someone's like, you can't do that, I'd be like, yes, I can. But it depends on who they are, what the circumstances, 
Do I care? Do I need to be right here? Most of the time you don't need to be right, but sometimes you're like, mm, no, you know what? I mean, I'm applying for this job or I want this thing and you have to go after it with confidence. That's what I was gonna say. How do you define what is actually worth going after um, or just letting go? I think after, after, after time and once you get through these levels of ditching bad vibes and cleaning up parental stuff and you get to this point where you're starting to develop more self-esteem, you'll find out because you'll choose a wrong battle and it'll feel bad. Mm, okay. <laughs> it won't feel good. Um, I've chosen some battles and I'm like, man, I should have let that one go. Should have let that one go. And you know, here's the thing. I have something in my book called Be Careful on the Send. Now, this is something that I have uh, been a victim of. I think we all have. You write an email, it's content, you know, you're, you're in an argument of some kind or trying to prove something to someone and you shoot it off. And then you're like, oh man, you sleep on it. And the next day you wake up and you're like, ah, shit, I just started something I didn't need to, could have let that go, or I could have worded that better. My <laughs> tone wasn't right. Now, and so that's what I call be careful on the send. You know, I've learned that lesson. So again, highly confident people can sometimes, this is a pitfall, you jump to react. And so these are times when you have to take your time, take a breath, reassess it. That usually will let you know, did I need to come at them hard like that? Can I say it another way? Again, it's discernment and you know, every situation is different. Um, for example, I talk about in the book, I have a, a member of my family who says like, I can't almost give an examples, but just illogical stuff about everything. And um, just really, I could prove it out in a logical proof for them if I really wanted to prove that they were logical. For many years, it bothered me, and I would always be like, that doesn't make sense, you just mm. said this. And it just was further insane, illogical, and we'd get into a thing, and I was like, this is not worth it. I just dropped my vibe mm -hmm. for this insane stuff. This is a person that says illogical stuff. I'm going to be the insane person if I keep trying to convince them that they're not. So over time, I just let it go. They say something totally insane and illogical. I don't have to see them that much. I just would be like, that's interesting. Or, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying there. Just let it go, you know. And competing is a part of this, too. Sometimes we can get into competitions with people. Confident people don't compete. Oh, they're yeah, not jealous. So being jealous is actually hoping the person that you're jealous of fails. And that is fucked. That's going to come right back to you, and it's a bad vibration. So confident people are not jealous. Um, jealousy is really putting your self-esteem and self-worth in the hands of the failure of another person. And this leads into competition, too. So confident people don't compete. I always say when you compete, you lose. And this is what I mean. Because someone's like, well, you're a sports competition. Yeah, you're competing there against other people. There has to be people. a winner. There has to be a loser. You're going to have to beat people. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. and I've, I've been in a sports competition, but here's the thing. The difference is, is that... I only think about I'm going to be the best and number one and I'm going to win. I don't think about my self-worth and winning associated with your defeat. I'm not like, I'm going to kick her ass, right? It's more like, I'm just going to, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to win. Those are two very different vibrations. Mm -hmm. One is dependent on your failure and really kind of a negative vibration. And one is just, I'm going to win. And when you compete too, you are really, what you're really saying is that there's a lack and not enough for everyone to go around. And that someone, again, it kind of connects with jealousy, like, oh no, someone else wants to be a writer and a podcaster like me. Well, what if they get better than me? Or what? Guess what? You keep that up, they will. They'll prove you right. You get exactly what's gonna happen. So which one comes first then? Because if you, if you sense the jealousy and you sense like, oh my God, I don't want them to beat me, blah, 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 and you try to change it, do you build your confidence and that automatically leads into being less jealous? Or do you um, attack being jealous and then, uh, build your confidence 
you know what? I think you got to attack the, the being jealous because th- what that really is, it, it is low self-esteem and it's a lack and it's a competitive nature that, again, is really truly hoping for someone else's failure. We do this a lot. Mm-hmm. We do it a lot. Anytime you or me or anyone that's watching has rolled their eyes at someone's dream and said something like, good luck with that. Oh, damn. You literally are kind of saying, you're going to fail. Watch. And we got to check ourselves. Now, that's just ego popping up. It's a moment. We all have it. We're human beings. But you got to check that because that vibration is no good. And, you know, anytime you say stuff like that, you are really hoping for someone else to fail and you better watch it. So I'm down with OPC, other people's confidence. Stop chumping on other people's confidence or it's going to come back around. And, you know, it's just a natural thing for us to kind of get into a... Mm. Good luck with that. And it's happened to me many times when you're in a creative profession of any kind, you're going to get hit even more with people projecting lack of confidence onto you. I mean, I don't care if you're actor, writer, musician, you feel it. You feel it from the person. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. I'm going to be utterly honest. There is little more damaging to your confidence than feeling weak and helpless and just struggling to get the care that you actually need from your doctor. And trust me, guys, I unfortunately speak from experience because when I was struggling with crippling, crippling gut issues about nine years ago now, it took me years, years to find a doctor that not only could I connect with, but a doctor that actually would listen, wouldn't gaslight me and actually take my words and my experience as truth so that they could actually eventually help me heal and not just to give me another freaking pill and then push me out the door. But now, my homie, you don't have to struggle to find the right doctor for you you anymore. And that's thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an absolutely free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and then instantly book appointments with them online. And with ZocDoc, you can actually filter by insurance, location 
and specialities to find the perfect fit for you, not for your friend, not for anyone else, but for you. Plus, on top of that, you can actually go and read verified reviews from real patients to find the doctor that you can actually trust. And typically, wait times for booking an appointment are days, not weeks. Because let's face it, when you're sick, you need to see someone right now. So my homie, do not, I repeat, do not neglect your health. Instead, go over to ZocDoc.com slash Lisa and download the ZocDoc app for absolutely free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Lisa. ZocDoc.com slash Lisa. So that's what I was going to say. Like, that's so articulate, by the way. Thank you. Because even just the, if you roll your eyes, if you say this word, like use that as a trigger to say, oh, hang on a minute. The vibe you're giving off isn't um, nice, first of all, and it's not serving you to build yourself up. So I love those like things. And now I want to take us to then, that's assessing yourself, Mm -hmm, projecting mm -hmm. on other people. But what about the downers that are coming to you? So you're trying to be confident, you're trying to work on yourself, you're doing everything that you just said, and now you've got other people coming to you, being the naysayers. How do you react and what what is your advice in those situations? It depends on how severe, if it's a stranger or a loved one. Okay, but in fact, take me through both. Yeah, so um, it depends. Like there's times when I've spoken up to a stranger. For example, a stranger asked me what I, what I do. Like, hey, what do you do? And I said, I'm a writer. Now, just for everyone watching, if you're in LA and you say you're a writer, like absolutely nobody cares, right? And they're like, they're usually like, whatever. Like, what have you done? They want your whole resume. You know, if you say you're a writer anywhere else in the country, they're like, oh my God, that's so cool. What do you write? You know what I mean? People yeah. are more interested. So I said, I'm a writer. And he said, literally verbatim, he said this. He goes, okay, so are you like a real writer that makes money at it? Or do you like work at Starbucks and do another job, but like just write on the side? And I said, that's rude as fuck, dude. Would you go up to a real estate agent and go, do you just have your real estate agent license and not sell houses, but like live at home? Or do you actually like make money at it? And he goes, oh, well, that's different. I go, no, it's not, dude. It's just rude. And I said, but the good thing for me is that when I come across a naysayer like you, I use it to fuel my confidence and you've just propelled me to a level of success. So thank you very much. So I also choose to believe, I think I would love it if everyone did, that when you get hit like that from people, you gotta use it to fuel. Like I just have this belief system that when you get hit at like that, you're just raising me up. You've just propelled me another level. And I always say it's not necessarily about proving them wrong. It's about proving yourself awesome. So we can stop sharing our, as Steve Harvey, I think it was his quote, stop sharing your million dollar ideas with hundred dollar people. If you keep coming up against the brick wall, your sister keeps being unencouraging or skeptical about whatever you're doing, stop sharing stuff with them until you've either achieved it. But even once you achieved it, you might get downered by that person. You know, I mean, uh, so many examples in my book of this, but one uh, that I got hit with was by a family member who I love, who's normally norm- encouraging, who's not necessarily a downer, but it can come from anywhere. And so when I wrote my first book, I was really excited about pitching it to Mark Sisson. And I told a family member, I'm like, I'm really excited about pitching this book to Mark. And they said, well, you've never written a book before, like just skeptically. And I was like, okay, I've written screenplays, whatever. Like it's, it's, it's not a different, it's just a different genre. Like I just like, whatever, I'm not worried about it. But it was a little bit of a hit because it's kind of like in that comment, they're being like, well, I don't know if you can do that. So then um, 
I got hit again. Uh, Mark agreed to publish my book. I went back to the family member and I said, hey, you know what? Mark agreed to publish my book. I'm so excited. And they were like, well, now you have to write it. I was like, oh my fucking God. Like, now you've kind of, in that comment, you've relegated me to a point where I have failed and not followed through. Mm. That's kind of what that is. I was like, of course I'm going to write it. I finish everything I start. Like, what the fuck? Mm. So then, then I got hit again. The book's about to be published. It's not out yet. Barnes & Noble calls. They want to buy like a thousand copies. And I don't think they even read it, but they probably trusted whatever you know, copy we gave them and they trusted the publisher. And I told the family member this, this, this story. And again, I got hit with another downer. They were like, well, that's silly. Like, why would Barnes & Noble publish a book they never even read yet? I mean, that's a big risk. I mean, again, now they're basically propelling me into a state where now I'm so embarrassed because a big corporation took a chance on me and they're going to maybe regret it because they were so stupid to buy it without reading it. Mm. And I mean, you get hit at every turn, right? Now, the fourth one on the book was from one of my best friends who we've like, never gotten into an argument with. But this is, an, this is a perfect example of someone projecting their lack of confidence onto a subject onto you. He called me as I was in the midst of writing The Paleothyroid Solution and said, almost like a frantic parent 12 midnight before a kid's project was due, like frantic, called me and was like, dude, what are you doing? Are you writing the book? Like, how's it going? Like, how far are you? Just like kind of projecting this lack of confidence. And I just called it out. I said, hey, man, just because you're not confident in writing a book, don't project that shit onto me. You're my best friend. I don't, last thing I need is you're down. I'm doing it. I don't not finish things I start. And so he knows this about me and I just called it out like that. And he was like, oh, mm, shit, sorry, dude. Yeah, you're right. And that's the other thing about having confident as fuck friends because you can have a little mic drop moment like that and it's over. So you're saying that though, coming from someone who's super confident and I freaking love that story so much. Um, but what about someone that isn't necessarily confident yeah. and is in the process of trying to develop their confidence and they have a one, mm -hmm. two, three punch hit and they're like, I can't take any more of it. All these people just don't believe in me. I barely believe in myself. So maybe I'm not a good, good writer. Maybe I'm not going to be able to do this. What advice do you give to those people? Yeah, you know, and I talk about this in detail in the book in little mini ways, which is that's where you really have to sit with that and go, first of all, am I going to continue to share my dreams and my hopes and my mm. like creative ideas or whatever it is, or my business ideas with this skeptic, with this downer, with this person? You got to st start there. And then if you don't have anyone else, then you get an unbiased coach or therapist or someone who can encourage you or you f try to find a new tribe, trying to manifest a new tribe of people. But also, too, it's like in that moment, what's really true there? Are you going to allow their opinion of you to dictate your success? That's what you are doing. So you might get hit a bunch, but that can be an indicator to go, okay, you know what? Maybe I need to kind of keep this close to the vest. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need not to share this idea. If I keep coming up against this brick wall, my friend Mary keeps you know, not believing in me. You know, I have a quote in the book. It's a, it's a take on a Finnish composer's quote who said, um, no one ever built a statue to a critic. And my version is no one ever built a statue to a skeptic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But if you say like, oh, I'm really thinking about starting a new business and your friend's like, ugh, I don't know, you know, be careful, like 50% of new businesses fail. Well, fuck that. I'm going to be on the 50% of the side <laughs> of the people that win. Again, you have to turn this around, you know, like this is so again, you can get a coach like me or anyone else to, to kind of talk you through this stuff. But these are about like you sitting with someone going, why, why am I aggravated? Why do I feel put down? And usually it's because oh, so and so doesn't believe in me. And it's not about proving them right. 
but it's about proving yourself awesome. Because if you're always trying to prove everyone wrong, again, you are still projecting outward that everyone else's opinions are more important than the opinion you have of yourself. So you have to develop this opinion of yourself. Everyone has some area that they're confident in. Whether you know, you could be like a wonderful friend, you could be a wonderful mother, that's enough. It doesn't need to be like accomplishments and a resume. You know, and again, this is for everybody because people just have issues speaking up. And if you don't ask, you're back to where you were before. You have to get okay with some rejection. You gotta learn to be okay with people coming at you and being downers. It's not to say that it's not a hit. I just wanna do one spotlight though on something that you just killed, like the 50% of fail, and you're like, but why am I in the failure bucket? Why am I not in the the success bucket? And you even said it all comes down to perspective. I'm such an advocate for perspective because I think literally by just switching that, like, all right, you're in the 50% that fail, now how do you feel? And if I told you in the 50% that succeed, how do you feel? Completely freaking different. I just felt different. Right. So, and actually I have a quote of yours that I so love so much. This needs to be a quote card of yours, by the way, on your social. Instead of hoping you are worthy of people liking you, turn your perspective to let's see if they are worthy of me liking them. Dude, when I read that, I was like, it's freaking perspective. Like just by changing your mindset in that very simple thing, it really does change the way you will then behave, which will then change your results. The universe, God, whatever you believe in, I truly believe when you do pro you moves, whether it's step up and ask for a raise, whether it's declare your worth in something, um, the universe delivers. They will deliver things to propel you forward, but you get nowhere unless you start. Now that comes from Um, a few things, but one is that I had spoken to a woman many years ago who said to me, you know, this online dating thing is so depressing. She's like, um, I'm like, why? She's like, well, it's all this rejection. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Like, give me a rundown. She's like, well, I email all of these guys and, and like, then no one gets back. And it's just a lot of rejection. And I said, well, hold on a minute. What if you found out if you could just like have psychic abilities and you found out that all of the guys that didn't email you back were wife beaters, criminals, like murdered somebody, would you feel so fucking rejected then? Or would you feel like you dodged a bullet? Mm. Of course the answer is, I feel like I dodged a bullet. So right, so now you're letting your projection of what a stranger you think might think of you allow you to dictate your self-esteem. Now you feel rejected and less than? How do you know who the fuck these people are? No, you go out and you meet them. So that goes for dating, right? When you, I've heard people have talked with male and female, go on a date and they're like, oh, I hope they like me. No, right. no, no, the opposite. You hope you like them. You're looking to see whether they're worthy of your time. That's a pro you perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's all you have. You're it for you. If you don't get this straight in there and get it in here, it's not gonna be projected outwardly into the world. And so in judging other people too, especially whether it comes to dating or business, et cetera, is be careful of like the, the fake confidence or the mm-hmm. outward confidence. You need to look a little bit further and see like, well, are they also confident on the inside? Mm-hmm. You know, because this is a problem. There's a lot of really successful alpha male and females out there who have what we think is confidence, but they are, ugh, it's messy on the inside and they are not there. And that's what's most important is like our interpersonal relationships with people in every way, like friends, our tribe, our coworkers, et cetera. So if you don't have that right, it really doesn't matter if you can speak to 50,000 people, your life's gonna suck. It's so true. And it doesn't really matter like ultimately what you look like or what you, 
if you exude confidence, people perceive you in a certain way. And I learned this actually before I actually had a growth mindset. Tom and I had probably been married for about a year and we're at this restaurant. Or we go to this restaurant, we'd been dreaming about this dessert and so we'd like planned it all and we get there and they'd closed. And we're like, oh no, we came all the way here to get the dessert, blah, blah, blah. And there's this um, older gentleman sitting at the bar. And he looks over and he's like heavy set and, you know, older. And, and he looks at me and he's like, did you want a dessert? And I was like, yeah, we came all the way here. And he turns, he was just sitting at the bar. He turns to the guy and he's like, get them a dessert. And he's like, yes, sir. And I was like, what just happened? Found out that was the owner. And I'm very open with my husband. So I turned to him and I was like, that was kind of sexy. Like, I don't actually find him sexy, but the confidence he exuded was a turn on. And since then, any time I'm feeling, you know, not great, us women, like I even said in the intro, we have our moments. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you're not feeling good, maybe your skin's not great, or you've eaten crap, and so you just don't feel good. And every time I go to say to Tom, as almost a confirmation, like, babe, do do I look good? Do I look good in this? Every time I go to say it, I'm just like, that's not freaking sexy. Even if you do, even if your skin does look bad right now, if you own that shit and you're just like, yeah, buddy, I'm still here. I'm still the bee's knees. They won't even notice your skin. And so every time I'm not confident, I remind myself of that. So glad you brought this up because confidence is sexy. But but think about it in an ancestral perspective. Okay, like for example, when you're a kid and you're on the playground and they need you to choose people to be on your team, yeah. do you choose the 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 like people that aren't confident about it? Or the <laughs> no, you choose like all the bullies and the, the whatever, like the the bold people because you're like no, because you know it's attractive. Mm-hmm. Also, it's reliable. We trust it more. We trust confident people because they're showing us that they're confident in almost anything or this ability to prevail or they'll figure it out. This is what we look for. It's safe. It's safer mm-hmm. to us, right? You'd much rather be with someone who's confident if you're stuck in the middle of nowhere and you know, whatever the situation is, like, are they going to feel like they can get out of it? It doesn't really matter what the scenario is. It's so attractive. And again, I'm a very confident public speaker and I also have performed on stage and sketch comedy in LA many times. I have no problems with being in front of an audience. However, when I go to pay the FX to speak or other times, there are moments like some nerves there. Mm. And I even, it'll come up for a second and then I have to self-talk out of it. And the self-talk is something like, look, you know, bitch, you fucking wanted this in life. Like, what are you doing? Like, you asked for this. You signed <laughs> up for this. You wanted this. This is what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Now you're sitting back here all, come on, you're going to go out there and kill it. Go, you know, and I just self-talk it out. Mm-hmm. Look, it's me. I'm it for me. Or I could have let that take me over and be like, oh my God, who do I think I am? Oh my gosh, audience, and let that steamroll. But I gave a great speech because I cut myself off backstage and was like, hey, no, uh-uh, come on. Like, and, and that is the truth. The truth is that I signed up for this. The truth mm-hmm. is that I love this. The truth is that I want to do this. Even as an actor, you get rejected so many times as an actor in Hollywood. It happens all the time. And there's been moments in the waiting room before auditioning that you're like, who do I think I am? <laughs> you know, that you have it's this even confident people do. And again, it's just self-talk. It's like, come on, you've done this before. Go in there. It's, I'm pep talking myself. No one's going to do it for you in these moments. You have to learn to do it. And again, learning to shift the perspective. How do we know that? Because the other side doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. You get out of a conversation, it doesn't feel good. Then you go, why don't I feel good right now? Hmm. What's that about? Did I just kind of hope for someone's failure? Am I trying to be right? Am I upset because someone projected their lack of confidence onto me? And it, it takes talking through that. And you can do that all right here or with someone else, but you must do it. 
to yeah. forge ahead. And that in and of itself builds confidence because it's the self-talk. Yeah, that's actually a good way of putting it. I'd be really bummed if we didn't talk about shame. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that because it's such a hot topic and something that um, I think a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, a lot of people struggle with shame. So shame does disable confidence. So I have a 20-year story. When I was 22 years old, I was working in the corporate world and I was making six figures. I was going to be retired by the time I was 35 with like five Porsches in the driveway. I mean, it was going well. My next promotion was to be for a quarter of a million dollars at the age of 23. That's huge. And that's, talk about confidence. I had a corner office. I had you know, Armani suits. And I was like, I'm killing it. I'm killing it more than anyone ever graduated with. And I did get kicked out of uh, high school my sophomore year. So I was even extra vindicated. Like, yeah, you know what? Showed you all. <laughs> you had this <laughs> yeah. very moment, this 22 year old moment of being like, oh, you know what? Whatever. It doesn't even matter. Ha ha ha. Look at me now. Right. I'm, I'm doing great. And then one day, literally my arms stopped working. Literally overnight. Like kind of overnight, I was carrying a chair that was very light but bulky, just a block away from my house from a store. I kept having to put it down. I had so much weakness in my wrists. Then almost immediately after that, I was in chronic pain. Both of my arms and hands leading all the way up to neck were so inflamed. I couldn't even talk with my hands like I'm talking now. I could not lift a fork to my mouth. I could not hold a cup in my hand. I could not run fingers through my hair. I had severe tendonitis and tenosynovitis in both of my hands and arms. Now, normally in that situation, you would just put an employee out in a workman's comp and let them go heal or figure that out. But I kind of sealed this injury in probably for like an extra year, Mm. which really made it permanent, unfortunately. So my first horrible thought of shame was I was sitting in my apartment in San Francisco at the time, and I had these dead arms, and I was in so much pain. And I literally thought, oh, my God, who's going to ever want me? I'm not going to be able to be a wife or a mom or anything. I can't even, I know what it takes to take care of kids. I used to work with kids my whole life. I couldn't even get a kid out ready for school in the morning, much less than feed myself or do what I need to do. When you wake up in the morning, using your hands every five seconds. If you're watching this now, you have probably adjusted your hands a hundred times during this interview. So I had this, it's an immediate sense of unworthiness, shame. And so here I am like, oh my God, who's going to ever want me? I'm 22. I'm defective. And I said to myself, I don't know that I would choose a guy with dead arms. I don't want to be hypocritical. I would understand that someone wouldn't want me. Like, who the fuck would want someone who's 22 and their arms are dead? Mm. You know, and at the time, I didn't know it was going to get any better. So I'm sitting there going, okay, well, how am I going to make more money now? And what am I going to do with my life? And that's the moment when I thought, well, I have my voice. I have my voice. And the funny thing is, is that I'd always wanted to be like an actor or speaker or in this arena when I was a kid. But I thought, I downed myself and was like, this is so unrealistic, right? Like, do it. But the universe cut the golden handcuffs off of me and kind of forced me into using my voice. However, during this time, I was so ashamed and embarrassed of being defective. I was so ashamed that I'd be rejected by a guy. So it really affected me in romantic relationships. So six, seven years ago, I was in a relationship. I really thought I was going to marry this person. Very close, met the kids, wonderful person. But he was kind of like an emotional robot. And in a way, it was kind of cute at first because he was very professional about it. But just no words of intimacy and, and words of appreciation. And if you don't have emotional verbal intimacy with someone, you know, it's not going to go very well over the long term. And so we broke up. I call my coach and I am bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, the universe played such a cruel joke on me. Why would they do that? I've done all this work in my life. And then I meet this perfect guy. And yet this one little thing that's wrong with him is like such a big thing. And, and he said to me, did you tell him about your disability story and your whole thing? And I said, no. And he goes, well, then guess what? 
you're the emotional robot. What did you expect to attract? If you want someone who's emotionally available, you have to be emotionally available. And I mean, I bawled my eyes out. You cannot even imagine. I was just a mess because it was so true. And I was like, damn it, me. And that's where if you think there's some area of your life, you think you're getting away with shuffling it under the rug, you're not. It's going to come in there somewhere. And I did a speech called The Shame of Disability and the Disability of Shame because the shame was more disabling than the disability itself. And so not only just romantic relationships, but it kept me outside of friendships because I'd always want to be on the outside and not let anyone get to know me too well in accessibility, right? Ah, that doesn't breed well for friendships and romantic relationships. It really doesn't. And so here's where I started after that conversation with my coach and being like, oh my God, I got to start to be vulnerable. I have to get over the shame. The other side of this too is that some of the best gifts in life come wrapped in shit. I would never take back hypothyroidism or my hands getting injured for what they have given me. Mm. I would have had those Porsches and I would have had the three homes at 35, but I can tell you now based on people who are at my age um, who have all those things and have done all those things, they are now in this time of life going, what's my purpose? Mm. What am I doing with my life? I can guarantee you I would be unfulfilled. I'd have the 401k and the house and everything, but I'd still probably be going, what am I doing? So I was forced into my dreams through a disability. And so what I say to people is, I'm not successful and happy despite my disability. I'm actually happy and successful because of it. It also brought me a level of compassion and empathy I never had before, both of them. The compassion I have for people who are sick and struggling with hypothyroidism or any kind of health disease or issue, and also people who are disabled. And it doesn't matter what it is, what kind of disability it is. It could be an emotional disability. Um, for example, people with traumatic brain injuries. I mean, you can't see that. You know, so or just mental health issues, depression. And 100%. And so I had to get over that to become confident as fuck. I was already confident. But these areas, ooh. That's what I was going to ask. Like, how much of shame do you have to get over in order to achieve that like utter confidence um, and then going back to the question that I'd asked before like what comes first is it building the confidence in order to speak up about your shame or just freaking biting the bullet even if you're quivering inside and you're shitting yourself in telling somebody your shame but knowing you have to get through it to get to the other side both Listen, it's never fun and it's not easy to speak up for the first time to the bullying boss or whatever. It's nerve-wracking. It is. So yeah, sometimes you do have to power through it and you go that way. That will develop confidence because everyone who does it musters through that uncomfortability. Always, I've seen it every time, is afterwards it's like, I'm so proud of, they are so proud of themselves. You can see how it's fueled them already in that moment. And the other part too is, yeah, you can do it on the back end and do some of this work. Both together is ideal. And again, you can just get to a comfortable level with that where you're speaking up about something small at first. Like, mm. listen, I know someone who is debilitatingly shy, who didn't have a, first, a friend until they were 35 years old, they're now 50, and literally could not even talk to people at all. Not even like a Starbucks person, just couldn't even talk to people. If you were at ground zero with debilitating lack of self-esteem and insecurity, then in that case, and this person did that, they hired a social coach who took them out to like the Third Street Promenade or some mall 
and would help them just go make conversations with people that worked at the stores because they're often going to be very friendly and receptive, mm. right? They're not going to meet the customer. If you have to start there, now if you met that person today, you'd never know that they were debilitatingly shy. Do they have moments still where they have a shy moment? They do, but then they do the self-talk and they go back to the coaching they had and they're able to make it through it and now they're very outgoing and you would never know. Mm. So you can even go from ground zero where you can't even talk to people. That might require though hiring someone like a social coach who really can actually help you physically go up and speak to someone. But I've seen 180s in all arenas. You know what I mean? Love you can that. do the 180. You can. I love that. All right, girl. Well, you've spilled so much gold in this episode. Where can people find the book and where can people find you? Yeah, Confident as Fuck is on Amazon in Kindle and also print version. And you can go to lrust.com. And I actually, for people that are suffering from thyroid and curious about that, there's a free thyroid guide there. And every Monday on the Primal Blueprint podcast, uh, I'm the host where I interview people uh, in mind, body, and health. Amazing. So what is your superpower? Apart from being confident as fuck? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I would say the ability to make people laugh and feel comfortable. Um, you know, uh, with my background in comedy and in general, um, I feel like I can lighten up a situation that can be heavy, not in inappropriate moments, right? But I'm not going to be cracking jokes at your mom's funeral. But I think being able to lighten people up and get them to see the light side of things because, like you said, it's perspective. And I'm, all, I'm always seeing the humor in something, and I think that that is a superpower. I love that. And I'm going to say this on camera. You have absolute permission to make jokes at my funeral. In fact, I request you make jokes at my funeral. I don't want anyone oh, I will roast black. you at your there funeral. There you go. That's what I want, girl. No one wears black or pink. Right, right. <laughs> guys, guys, um, I hope you took away all the amazing things that I did in this episode. Go back, rewatch it, follow her, grab the book. There's so many more tactics in the book, so go check that out. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And if this episode brought you guys value, please, please do subscribe, do share. And until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.